Welcome to Coworking Out Loud, where we explore the deeper side of coworking, content, and community. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. Hey friends, in this episode of Coworking Out Loud, I'm talking with my friend Lauren Walker, who's the CMO at Coworks, and she is one of the best content creators in coworking, full stop. As soon as I started seeing her writing years ago, uh, I knew she has the strategy, the production, the angle, everything down. So Lauren and I really nerd out on content marketing in this one as it pertains to co-working and beyond. I'm excited for you to hear this show. See you on the other side. Welcome to Coworking Out Loud, Lauren. It's great to have you here. It's amazing to be here. I'm very excited. Thanks, Kat. Yeah, me too. And I was thinking back when preparing for this, like, when did I connect with you? How did we connect? And honestly, so I met co-works and then started Mm -hmm. looking I'm like oh what's going on over at their blog because they're clearly a content focused company at some point along the line you all decided like this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to grow the brand or a piece of it and um, you impressed me right off the bat I could tell right away the strategy was there the writing was there the marketing angle was there so this is a, as you know, this show is a deep dive into co-working content and community, and we're right at the intersection of content and community. But let's backstep a bit and tell me how you came into content and then how you how that merged with co-working. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm a writer. I'm a, I've been a marketing writer since I graduated college. Um, my first job was at Reader's Digest. And I learned direct marketing um, with the experts there. So it's it's always been content first for me. Um, From there, I went into tech. You know, it was 1999, so it was um, that was the place to be, and started working in tech, but always having a content first approach. And then uh, spent gosh 13 years at IBM as a tech writer there and managing their homepage. Um, and in other prop tech companies in the meantime. And so when I came to Coworks, I definitely, I had a very strong real estate background, like business to business real estate background. And so I really thought I was going to bring a lot of that into coworking. Mm. And I'm really glad I had that, but it was so different. It was so different once I got to know the industry and kind of started sniffing around like, okay, who do I need to know? And you were one of the first per, you know, people that kind of bubbled up as like, oh, I need to know Kat. So I need to you know, follow what you're doing and get to know what you're doing. And so that was really instructive for me to understand that co-working as an industry is so people first. Oh my God. It's so real. You know, people say real estate's a relationship business. It's a belly to belly business. And I think that's right, but coworking is not real estate. And I think people that approach it as a real estate business are missing the whole point. Yeah. I mean, real estate is a necessary part of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the exciting thing about coworking is a lot newer than just commercial real estate. Um, you said something that I want to sidebar off onto because it's so interesting. The direct response 
stuff, Mm -hmm. like marketing, copywriting, content, a lot of those best practices go back to old school strategies that have worked for a really long time. And I read a lot of marketing books. The ones I like the very most, marketing, sales, copywriting, are the ones that are as true now as they were in like 1950. Just like, yeah just facts of yeah. how humans work. And I mean, think. you look at like, you know, best advertise, best ads that people remember. They're all stories. Yeah. You know, the only thing that I think has changed and we're, we're kind of for the worse of it is the art of the headline has kind of dwindled. And I think, you know, the internet is to blame for that. So I'll, I'll show my age and just say SEO has destroyed the headline. Mm, you're so right. And even, so there's the SEO thing of like roundups, which AI has completely made obsolete oh like overnight ish but remember the what site was it their headlines were always these real clickbaity things like you're not going to believe what happened to the cat exactly you know and yes. everyone would click through yes. and it's just junk it's just junk junk mm-hmm. junk writing right i still see a little bit of that and people like the compelling hook but i feel like as it gets noisier and noisier and noisier the best content, the content that stands above kind of gets back to that evergreen, timeless Mm -hmm. stuff of like connecting with humans. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, um, I feel like as a content focused brand, which I am, which I am presuming co-works is like how we identify. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I love it. I think it's so smart. Tell me what that looks like internally, like for you as you're generating content ideas and stuff. What what does that look like for you? So my process is to start with our customers. I mean, and I think co-working operators can identify with this. Like our customers are the best resources for stories because letting them talk about themselves is like the best thing ever. Um, my content philosophy and, and as a result, the company has always been like, you know how archaeologists would go deep into the in, underground and they would light it with mirrors, like the sun would come in and a mirror would reflect the light down. And that's how they would light underground before there was electricity. Oh, okay. That's, it's a very obscure reference, but that's my content philosophy is like, my job is to shine a light on somebody else. And so that's how I approach our content. And so starting with our customers, like who who are they? What are they doing? Who do they serve? And let them tell that story. So my my job is just to surface that as well as possible. But also then what can I learn from those stories? What are they telling me that I can incorporate into my outreach? Um, What problems can I help them solve? What obstacles can I get out of their way? And to as much as possible, put myself into their position of like, okay, I am running a space day to day, which includes all these operational needs. I'm also taking care of people, which is this hospitality, this retail experience. Um, You know, how can this little piece of software that we have help solve some of those problems and also try not to make it sound like it does more than it does, you know, because it's not solving the problem. It's not really helping you take care of your people. It's enabling you to do that because you can take care of all these other operational things, but the skills that they need to take care of people, to really cultivate those relationships, that's on them. 
Yeah, I always tell people like service providers or people who are reaching out wanting to get in front of co-working people. I'm like, this industry is very small and very close knit. Like, don't try to pull any little tricks or this or that because word will spread like wildfire. Yeah, Um, yeah. I really try to keep us in our lane of expertise. I think from a content perspective, that's really important to us. You know, I've gotten... Uh, Deshaun, our CEO, is super, super smart. And there's been times when I've had the opportunity to put him in front of a group to talk about something co-working related. And I've had to pull back and just say, you're not an operator. That is not your expertise. I want to make sure you are demonstrating the right expertise. Um, So that's really important to us. Yeah, I think with content marketing in general, like the more real, authentic, brave human. Like I talk about this a lot, but I think COVID just changed us. Like we're all just done with the BS. Mm -hmm. We're done with like fake life. (laughs) You know, we're like, tell us what's real. Let's just get, let's see if it's Mm -hmm. a good fit. Let's see if this is right for me. Does it resonate with, with me human to human, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think you do an amazing job at that of having a human brand, humanizing your brand. Thank you. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's, it's definitely important. I want people to know who the founder is. I want them to understand there's real people behind the brand that care about their success. Um, And so in the, you know, with the rule, don't show, don't tell. I don't want to just say, I care about your success. I want that to come through from every piece of content we create. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Tell me, so we talk a lot about vision values and vibe. So tell me how you use content to kind of surface and share uh, the brand's vision values and vibe. Like what, what does that look yeah. like to not just be helpful, not just be of service, but to help people understand what you're about? Yeah, I think it's a constant reviewing of every piece of content we create. So from our website to our blog to our social media, monitoring that the tone of voice is consistent. And for me, that is, would I say this out loud to a human being? (laughs) Which, you know, as a result, (laughs) you know, I I strip out a lot of the terrible buzzwords, you know, of like, are these words that I would really use in a conversation? So a conversational tone is really important to us, yeah. which is, it, it sounds flippant, but it's, it's, it's tough to do in the SaaS space because there's a lot of kind of pressure to talk at this elevated level that gives the impression like you're some kind of technological genius. I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, keeping us conversational is really important. Um, and also, you know, making sure that our values are, are such that um, inclusivity is really, really important to us. I mean, we're a black owned company and I don't downplay that at all. And I've had to be very mindful of how I lean into that as a white woman. Um, but one of the ways that we make sure that we're reflecting that is, and this is going to sound very simple, our stock photography. Um, it is every piece of um, art that we choose is chosen from a very specific point of view. We make sure that it's not just all white men, you know, all over our site. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also not just people in their late twenties, you know, and 
trying to reflect the variety of humans that we want to serve um, so that people see themselves. And that's, at the end of the day, the absolute goal of any marketing is to help someone see themselves in your brand. So, so true. Um, let's get into the nuts and bolts of your strategy because you're so good at this. When you're looking forward like the next couple of months or however far your content calendar goes and you're coming up with specific topics, how are you generating those? How are you thinking about specific blog posts? So one, like we have kind of have buckets of posts. So one is going to, one bucket is going to be the interviews with our spaces. And those are basically as soon as someone can talk to me. So when we get a new, a new space, we have kind of an automated process where I reach out and try to make contact, but also don't want to come at them too hard and too fast. I want them to get to know us and feel comfortable telling their story to me. Um, so that's one bucket that I don't really put on a calendar as much. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I have three or four profiles a month and sometimes I have one and that's just based on availability. However, there is a lot of seasonality to this business. And I know that, you know, first quarter is on everybody's mind right now. And so what I'm trying to do here in fourth quarter is to talk about first quarter Mm. and the things that I hear our customers talking about and looking at, and we're really trying to do it from a data driven perspective of like, what are the help articles that we see really bubbling up right now? So what's on the mind of the managers? Um, What does the industry look like? Cause I've, you know, looked at, the way folks are talking about, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to have this big drop off in this month with the holiday, but then January is going to really pick up. So I have to think, okay, what are they going to need in January? Well, maybe it's, they need new onboarding. They need new, you know, I'm trying to reflect what their seasonality is to our, our content calendar. Yeah. Getting ahead of those events, seasons, whatever, whether it's co-working day or back to school or the new year, Mm -hmm. everyone's making resolutions to Get into a space and do the things. Getting ahead of those because I know from years of experience, if you wait until it's happening, you've missed it, right? Too you late. have to be like it's too rolling late. it out ahead of time. Like here's the thing yes. you need to be knowing. Yes. And that's so hard. It's hard for any of us, but I think that must be especially challenging for operators and managers because you're just trying to be proactive, but it's such a reactive business you know, where you're dealing with the the fires that are in front of you. And it's really hard to try to buy trouble, you know, by anticipating what you're going to need in three months from Mm, now. That's a good point. Um, So you and I frequently back channel like funny content things or eye rolls or whatever. Um, We both love (laughs) writing. We both love words, content. We're like right in the same lane. Do you do writing outside of content stuff? Are there other things you like to write about? I do, but not as much as I should. Um, In fact, it's National Novel November or something. It's National Novel Writing Month. Month. Yes, it is. And every year that comes around and I think, okay, this year, this year I'll do something. And it's, it's not, it's really hard for me to separate the writing I do professionally from writing I do personally. And I think it's because of the laptop, <laughs> because it's the same laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. So to answer your question, I've, I've written stage plays. I've written wow. screenplays. Um, And yeah, well, I went to Sarah Lawrence College and 
you cannot graduate Sarah Lawrence College without writing your ass off, mm. pardon my French. I mean, you write for every class, doesn't matter what it is, if it's statistics, if it's biology, <laughs> if it's art, you are writing. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely, I need to carve out more time for that. I mean, I would argue that writing is like the most important skill. It's like whether it's email, internal communications, all the things like I don't, I I don't want to go too far down that wormhole, but yeah, it makes sense that like getting comfortable, getting proficient, becoming a clear thinker and a clear writer is like the superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't quite know that. I didn't know that it's not the way it is for me, for other people. So that was definitely a later in life learning. Say more about that. What do you mean? Sorry, we froze a little bit. Oh, I said say more about that. What do you what do you mean by that? Your own oh, discovery. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that I have writing comes very quickly to me. I won't say easily, mm. but there's less friction for writing versus other activities, other, you know, modes of work. Put numbers in front of me and I'm gonna have a little bit of a heart attack. Like, <laughs> you know, please don't make me operate in a spreadsheet. I just I can't do it. But if you say, hey, we need to write this thing, I will have it written before you've finished your sentence. Like it's, it just feels very natural to me. And so learning that just like, you know, love languages or whatever kind of format you want to talk about, but it's not easy for everybody, which is why I kind of approach it in my content marketing of like, how can I make writing easier for other people? I get that completely. And it took me a while to figure that out too. When I first started kind of coaching, I was like, everyone should just be writing, just write and write and write. And then um, someone sent me a blog post and I was like, (gasps) not like (laughs) Uh that. Uh Oh, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. So my thing with content is like, figure out what you can do well, and then do that. And farm out the the writing to other people. Um, So how would you, Lauren, how would you advise co-working space operators and brands who are, want to go all in on content, they see the value of it, but they're not sure how to start or what that even looks like? Sure. Yeah. I would start with your members. I mean, that is there, you have the richest collection of inspiration in front of you on a daily basis start with somebody who's really easy to talk to. And one of the things that I like to help people with is doing a really good interview because that's not easy. Um, but if you just ask people questions, they're going to give you the writing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple ways to do it. One is to record just like we're doing. So either, but you can even do as simple as like a voice memo is sit down with somebody at a table, start recording and just start talking and then find a transcription tool. I love otter.ai, you know, so you can record right into that. It gives you the transcription, turn that into an article, interview your members. I would say have five really good questions and just stick with those Mm. questions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And don't just ask the like, where are you from? Where'd you go to college? Where, how did you start your business? Cause all of that's on their website. Ask them the questions of things that are not going to be on their mm-hmm. website or not going to be on their LinkedIn profile. You know, what's an aha moment that you had, you know, in your business? Or, you know, are you a morning person or an evening person? When are you most productive? And how do you lean into that? 
um, you know, you can come up with five great questions and think of them from the perspective of the person who's not a member yet, who's reading this and what are they going to want to know and what are they going to be excited by? So start with your members first and foremost. So many little gems there. I want to unpack. I'll start at the beginning. So I am such a big fan of remixing content. So it's like, if you do a video interview, even if it's just the two of you, mm -hmm. you know, the phone sitting on the table or whatever, then you can take the, so you have the video, then it's a piece of content. You can take the transcript. There's another piece of content. You can take clips yeah. for it. Now you have reels. You can pull stuff for the newsletter. Like the whole thing of taking one piece of content and then figuring out how to distribute it is just gold. And then the second thing that came to mind while you were sharing those, those tips is like make your members shine. The whole point is to have them shine so that other people are like, oh, they look mm -hmm. cool. I can see myself in this space. I can see myself wanting to get to know them a little bit more. I think member profiles oftentimes are, they don't do much, right? Because it's They're just like kind index of cards. canned yeah. responses, yeah. whatever. And everyone in your broader social doesn't really know who the person is. But if you make that member shine and really mm -hmm. get into their personality, they're going to then spread it. And then it turns into this whole like exponential thing. It is. It is. I will say the real challenge I'm finding of content creation is that it's not just writing anymore. And I think you nailed it. We're like, start with the video because that way you're capturing the most that you can do, you can work with. But the question is, who's going to do that? Oh. Who's going to edit that for you? Who's going to put the cool graphics in? Who's going to publish it for you? And you know, we, I mean, you and I are kind of like, you know, the same in that we do all the things, but how valuable is it to have one person who's really good at that? And so that might be someone that I would invest in is just somebody who's going to be able to take a piece of content for you and create 10 others from it really quickly. Because you got to think about what is your time worth? Mm -hmm. Can you edit things yourself? Sure you can. There's a million apps to help you. But is it going to take you 10 hours to do it? <laughs> if it's me and video editing, the answer is yes. Same. Right? Same. It's like, oh my God, is this a good use of my time? I know. <laughs> I know. And it's like in my best case world, I would have a full-time video person who I could give them raw footage and they would make everything amazing. We're not there yet. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, the aim is that direction. That's where I want to be. And in the meantime, I have yeah. to be okay with what I can produce, what we can. It's not as yeah. excellent as I want it to be yet. It's not as frequent yeah. as I want it to be yet. And I think there's, there's definitely something to that, like know where you want to go. And then maybe it's paying somebody a few hundred dollars a month. Maybe it's doing a trade with a member where they cover the mm -hmm. front desk for lunches or whatever there. I've seen all mm -hmm. kinds of creative solutions, but yeah, getting off your plate, the things that you're not great at because like a real video editor could probably do in like 10 minutes, what it takes me an hour Which and a half like to batching do. Batching is really smart, you know, record four or five interviews over the course of a month. And at the end of the month, give those to this person mm. who's going to give you 10 hours of work. And at the result, you're going to have 50 pieces of content. I mean, 
that's amazing, right? Across the channels, because you're right. Writing is the foundation of everything, but it's just not enough these days. It's a lot. We all have to learn all the channels, new skill sets. And I am also writing comes quickly to me. Mm -hmm. Also, um, video is a whole different thing. I'm like, uh, I know, I know. I find myself grinding and thinking I I almost hired my 18 year old daughter. Like, would you do Instagram reels for me? (laughs) I mean, a lot of people are doing that, right? I always hit up Chelsea here at Kiln. I'm like, will you just hold this phone for a second? I'm going to do a reel. (laughs) She, she totally gets it. She's like, sure. I got you. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different thing. Um, Lauren, one of the most frequently asked questions I get is, how do you measure the ROI on content? And mm. I, I, I have my own feelings. I want to get your feelings about it. Yeah, I will say don't get caught up in the attribution myth um, because they're vanity metrics. You know, so what if this blog post got 500 clicks? What what did that get you? You know, it's it's the important. It's, you have to push every metric that you have. What does that mean? How does that translate to business? And that desire for a linear journey of your customer and being able to say they clicked on this ad, they read this blog post, they filled out this form, they responded to this email, and now they're a member. That doesn't exist anymore. The marketing funnel is gone. And I always say it's really a marketing pinball machine. (laughs) And so you have to be everywhere. Like you you don't know where that ball is going to go. You just got to hope that you're going to get the lever at the right moment. And so you just kind of, I'm not saying that it's like a faith-based science anymore, but measure as much as you can look for big signals. Yeah. I think big signals are important. You know, are, is your newsletter tanking? Like, is it just not getting opened anymore? That's an important, you know, metric. However, you have to be suspicious because now Apple is showing everything is automatically opened. Mm. So is that the signal you think it is? The ROI of content is going to be, um, qualitative, you know, you're, you're going to hear about it later uh, from that member who's like, oh, you know, remember that blog post? I loved that. Or I shared that a million times. You can't track that. You know, I don't, when you share something with me in Slack, the person that wrote it has no idea. So it's tricky. It is so tricky and I'm not surprised at all, but I, I definitely align with your thinking there. It's really hard to say, what's the ROI of someone sharing a blog post with their friend? Or what's the ROI of Mm -hmm. someone saying, oh, I heard on this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's impossible to measure. I love the pinball analogy because it's true. It's like the place we're at now is brand impressions, brand impressions. And how someone who finds me on LinkedIn is going to have a different sense of me than someone who finds me on Instagram, who is the Mm -hmm. the newsletter, is the Mm -hmm. blog, is the podcast. And that's by design, right? I don't want it to be like exactly the same everywhere, but the through line should be there, right? But it's like every, not every, I almost said every platform and people have to, we have to be selective about the ones that work for us. And if you can be active on a number of platforms and do a decent job, all that's happening is more brand impressions 
in and out of your market? I would say start with your members and find out where they are. Are, Do most of them use Facebook? Do they love Instagram? Are they on LinkedIn? Because that's going to be where you need to spend most of your time. And second to that is what are you, what's easiest for you? You know, some people love LinkedIn. They like the more professional aspect of it. That's who they're trying to market to. Um, for others, it's Instagram. You know, there's, it's all about the Instagram and it's all, you know, hashtag local stuff. So where are the people that matter to you? So those channels are going to, are going to need to be a priority, but how do you measure if it's working? Well, you can you know, but it's hard. You can measure some things, right? Follows, website traffic. You can get some signals. You can know, you know, because if if you're grinding and you're, you know, investing in all these videos, you want to know, is this working? Right. Um, So yeah, it's, 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 it's such a complex question of what is the RO of content. It is. And business owners, bosses, People are like, I want the spreadsheet that has the return on all Mm -hmm. these. It's like, well, we can like Mm -hmm. put a bunch of numbers and things together. But, um, and I'm not saying not to do that. Like that's an important part of running and growing a business. Like, is this working? And like you pointed out, the notion of being able to go A plus B equals C. It's like, oh, I don't think it's that simple. So there's Rand Fishkin. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're a a Rand fan. I definitely am. His um, platform, Spark Toro, is exactly this that you can go in and see here's the people that I want to reach. And that platform says most of these people are on Twitter or, you know, are on Instagram or they, and here's all the other things that they're interacting with, which is a really different way to market. And I think a really important distinction. And he, he's the first person to say, you're not going to get the attribution you're looking for. I just read Rand's exit story. Yes, wow. me too. What a what a wild human, cool story, and good for him, right? Yeah, good for yeah. them. Yep, I'm really happy for him. Um, Lauren, what have we missed? What do you What do you want to talk about, or what should I know before we jump off? Um, I think that what should we talk about? I think that one thing that's really interesting to me with coworking and content is understanding more of like this, this kind of dropping in and getting feedback quickly has been so valuable to me. And that's why not to plug the lab, but that's why the lab is like amazing um, because these are real people who are sharing what they're doing every day. And I hope they don't mind, but they inspire a lot of what I do because I'll see like, here's this, this dialogue happening about the importance of, you know, day passes and who's, who's getting day passes and how do I promote this? I go away and I create content about that because I'm getting real feedback from the lab members. And I think that that can carry over to an operator sitting in front of their members and seeing that their members are like, well, I have, I came in here because I had this meeting, but I also have childcare issues and I have dry cleaning and my car is, needs to be fixed. And I need this delivery. And you can think about how can I solve those problems for my members? Because they are your demographic is right in front of you. You know, they're telling you what they need. Um, so I feel like there's such a nice symmetry between me being able to 
eavesdrop in the lab and understand what's happening there and what's on people's minds and then take that away to create valuable stuff um, that operators can do the same thing. Well, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you in the lab as one of our marketing experts to share tips and resources and things that you find. I love that you're in there. And um, yeah, we're so fortunate in co-working. Our market is right here, literally next to us. We're not trying to sell widgets to yeah. someone they don't we buy don't your know. product and go away. It's yeah. like we're right here. Turn if you're wondering what your members want, turn to the person next to you and ask them. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're so fortunate. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Lauren. What is the best way for people to connect with you and see your content? Definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, but come to the CoWorks blog and check out the blog anytime. Subscribe to our newsletter. I love our newsletter. Um, we try, I try, I don't know what I'm saying. We, it's me. I try to make it as engaging and valuable as possible. It's, it's not sales at all. It's really just like, here's our great content. Here are the articles we're reading. Here are events that matter. So, I mean, that's how it's done, right? Nobody's going to open an email week after week if it's the office that's for sale or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, Lauren, yeah. it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And thank you for your thank help you, with Kat. convos and in the lab. And you're just an awesome presence in the co-working world. Well, we love being partners. So thank you so much. Of course. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Coworking Out Loud. Head over to catjohnson.co to register for the next Coworking Convo and to learn more about The Lab, which is the marketing club for indie coworking spaces. See you next time.